Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I didn't hear anything out of this ear. Praise the Lord, everybody. <laughs> praise God. Amen. It's so good to be in Washington. Amen. And I am so deeply grateful to God. Those of you that are parents will probably relate to this, some of you. But I am so deeply grateful to God to be in another church service with our both our sons and our beautiful daughter-in-law and my very best friend, my wife, my wife for 37 years and counting. Amen. Praise God. I'm not ashamed to tell everybody that my wife and I have a marriage that was made in heaven. And I, from day one, from day one, amen. I, I am a blessed man. Amen. I'm just so grateful because I know there are a lot of marriages that have problems. Not to say we haven't, but you know what I'm saying? Some marriages struggle, but we've just been best friends. She just does whatever I tell her. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The truth is, when we got married, somebody gave her a marble rolling pin, and I do everything she tells me. <laughs> But I am thankful my wife, after 17, 17 some odd years in the investment industry, uh, decided to, we prayed about it. She decided to follow her passion that she had had since she'd been a little girl. And she, so she stepped out of the investment industry and just recently graduated as a nurse. And I'm so proud of her. So proud of her. Amen. She'd rather help help somebody as a person than to help their wallet. How's that? Amen. So I'm just thankful for that. Thank you for the invitation, Pastor Mayo. It's a, just such a privilege, such a privilege, amen, to be back here again for all of us. And I'm just grateful. Now, I have to say, I heard that there was a lot of smoke in uh, Spokane. And I'm happy to be able to say that I'm going to go back and tell everybody that it seems like the smoke is pretty much gone, but there's still a fire burning. <laughs> Amen. Amen. There's some places I've been that would pay good money, amen, to be in a church service like you guys are in today. Literally pay good money to be in a church service like this. Amen. I felt, um, I won't keep you standing too long. How about this? Why don't, you, why don't you just be seated for a few moments if you don't mind. And I'll, I'll jump into this pretty quick here. I, I, do, I do have something on my heart. But I felt, I felt impressed that someone here uh, might need a, a little hand up, a little bit of cash. So I brought some. I brought some cash. 
is a $100 bill. And I'm pretty sure it's real because we got it from the bank. Is there anybody, anybody, I just felt impressed about this, but anybody here that could use $100? Can I see your hands? I'm, I'm dead serious. Somebody, somebody's going to get it. Okay, there's a few hands. A few hands. There's somebody already coming. I'm not giving it away yet. Praise God. Just stay right where you're at. <laughs> now, this, this young man wasn't the only person that raised his hand, so in all fairness, I, I feel duty-bound to make sure that everybody gets a fair chance. Although I, I admire your, your aggressiveness, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. So, so in all fairness, is there anyone else? There's a young guy there. There's some folks out here. Some folks out here. Now, the problem is I only have one. I only brought one, okay? So let me ask you this. Anybody else still want this? like you're about the only person in need here. Okay, can I see your hands? you might be kind of disappointed maybe because there's still a lot of people that want this. Anybody else still want this? my shoes have been. <laughs> he doesn't care? So, is it, seriously, is there anybody else besides this guy? All right, you're pretty close. You're pretty close. Whoever wants it. Wow, give him a hand. No, you got it. You got it. Now, I don't know where he went. Where did he, did he leave the church? <laughs> Where's he at? There he is. Can I, you still have it? Awesome. Can you just stand there just for a second? There's something I like about this guy. He saw the value in a $100 bill. And even though I tore it in two, he still wanted it. Even though I crushed it, he still wanted it. Even though I stomped on it, 
he still saw some value in it. My prayer today is that you will always see the value in those that are around you. Because there are some people sitting here who have been torn apart. They are heartbroken. There are some people that have been crushed. There are some people who have been stomped on. But God help us to be a church that sees value. That sees value. I threw that $100 bill on the floor, but he still said, I want to have it. And even though the world has thrown some of people away, I hope this will always be a church that says, come to this church because we see value. And such were some of you. Does anybody remember where Jesus brought you from? Does anybody remember broken hearts? Anybody remember hopeless nights? Anybody remember having questions that can't seem to be answered? Amen. Come on, church. Does anybody remember? And is anybody happy about what Jesus did for you? pray that I will always, always, always remember that there are people sitting here whose value is far more than $100 bill. Somebody reached through the dirt and led us to truth. Somebody loved you. Somebody prayed for you. Amen. Stayed by you till you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And is anybody thankful for that? Bibles with me. Hallelujah. If you would open your Bibles with me, if you don't mind standing, I will try my best to be mindful of the time. Although my heart did rejoice greatly when the pastor said we're not in any hurry. Amen. Your heart may not rejoice greatly. Amen. When I'm done. Praise God. I'm just teasing. Is it all right for me to just uh, be myself? All right. All right. Amen. Pastor is so kind. You know you're a blessed church to have a pastor like Brother Mayo. Amen. 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 I hope next time I come and I say that, I hope all of you will be clapping. <laughs> no, I, I feel it. I feel it. I'm just, I'm sorry. I've got to move on here. They say when you get old, you start rambling, so I'm going to be careful. Amen. If you'd open your Bibles to the book of St. Mark. Mark chapter 4, you know, Jesus had a lot to say about money. He had a whole lot to say about money. And um, I suppose 
Now, I don't know. I've never really studied this out, but I suppose the reason Jesus had a lot to say about money is because we have this inherent tendency to really comprehend what he's talking about in a fleshly, carnal sort of way. I don't know too many people who don't really discuss money or at least pray about money from time to time, right? I, I, we work for money. We, we try to invest our money. We, I mean, we relate to money. And, and so I suppose that's why Jesus took that commodity and, and said a lot of things as only God could and, and give us so many different spiritual lessons from something that we use on a daily basis or, or somewhat that, in that case. But, but I want you to look at something here. I felt led, and, and I pray it won't take me too long to get in gear, but I don't want to start off full speed because I feel this is vital. We're living, as Pastor mentioned, we are living in, in a time that is like no other. However, the disciples and the prophets, all of those, even the angels desire to look into the things that we are experiencing. The prophets desire to live in these days. And so I, I will submit to you that we are living in a time of great opportunity. And so I, I want to lay this foundation, if you'll permit me. Now, one, one caveat, one thing I want to say. Some preachers, some preachers preach with their head. And some preachers preach with their heart. I happen to be one of the preachers that preach from their heart. Now, I'm just saying this so you understand, all right? I don't really know how to do that. Some, some guys can just pull things together. It's so amazing. But all I know to do is to preach with passion of what's deep down inside of me. And so here's, here's my request. I'm going to be totally transparent to you guys today. I, I'm going to be vulnerable. But I'm going to ask your permission that you would let me preach to your heart. You understand what I'm saying? Because I've got to have permission to preach to your heart. I gave you permission to see what's in my heart. But I'm asking today, if you'll let me, would you join with me? And let me preach to your heart. I do feel that God has something for us. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 23. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. This is more than just letting some audible sound come into our ear canal and strike the eardrum and register something in our brains. He is saying if any man has ears to hear, let it soak down further than just your head. Whatever you're hearing, if any man has ears to hear, let him. That's sort of like back when, back when you were a teenager. Remember those days? I think I want to talk to this guy after church. <laughs> but when we were teenagers, you know, parents would say, hey, take the garbage out. Clean up your room. Do this, do that. And it's like in one ear and out the other. Did I hear them? Yes, I heard them. But no, I did not hear them. 
It didn't go any deeper. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus is saying to us, even though you're in church today, even though you hear the Word of God today, amen, you've got to let the Word of God go a bit deeper than just one in one ear and out the other. I'm sorry. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, take heed what you hear. You ought not be listening to everything that comes around for you to listen to. I've told some folks they need to turn their radios off from time to time. Not wrong to listen to the news, but it's wrong to live in the news. It's wrong to just be consumed by the news. Amen. I would much rather see a bunch of folks that are consumed by the word. Amen. Take heed what you hear. Now, I come from a, a folks that, folks in old time, old time religion. I cut my teeth on the back of a Pentecostal pew. Amen. I was touched by the dedication this morning, brother. Amen. Because I, I've got a picture at home of when I was dedicated. You may be seated. I'm sorry. I've had you standing for so long. I, I was dedicated and, and, uh, and, and, and I was destined. I already told the church pastor wasn't here, but I was destined to be one of the world's worst cripples. So baby dedications does something to me, amen, because God came down, amen, and touched me, and I will never forget that day. But here's what I want you to understand, amen. He said, take heed what you hear because with what measure... You meet whatever you measure out, it shall be measured to you. Do I need to say that again? Whatever you measure out will be measured back to you. Can I ask some of the folks here today, what is he talking about? Listening. Listening. Whatever you measure out, that's going to be measured back to you. What is he talking about? Listening. Amen. Some of you are not getting this. Let's, let's read on. And unto you that hear shall more. Everybody say more. Unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that hath. To him shall be given, and he that hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he hath. Did you hear what he said? Whoever has something is going to get more. Whoever has a little bit, it's going to be taken away. All right, let's, let's move on here. Mark, Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto him his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, and to every man according to his several ability. All of us don't have the same ability. Amen. So God measures out according to what we can do. Amen. And so he gave to each one according to their ability. And straightway took his journey. If you would drop down in your Bible to verse number 29. Amen. In verse 29 he says, For unto every one that hath shall be given, and, on, and he shall have abundance. Everybody say abundance. 
He that hath shall more be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he has. Would you bow your heads? Jesus, if there's any sin in my heart, I pray that you would forgive. Let your word search. Let your word penetrate. And let it do a work. Lord, I know what I want to say. But I pray today that you would help me to say only what you want to be said. No more and no less. I ask that you will. I yield to you, and I pray that every soul in this congregation would be subject to your spirit in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Thank you. Jesus is teaching how he operates. I think it's vital for the church to know how Jesus operates. I think it's important for us to know how Jesus operates. Are you listening, church? Amen. Jesus is revealing, making known his expectations. How many know that God has expectations? Amen. Amen. This is not a free lunch. God has expectations. Whenever he gives us something, folks, it's not, it's not something that we can just afford to stick in our pocket and just say thank you and move on. God has expectations. Amen. There is a responsibility that comes with everything that God gives us. That may not be something you really want to hear, but that is the absolute truth. And so Jesus is teaching us how he operates Amen. We used to hear this years ago when I was a kid. I used to hear it a lot about walking in the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's vital for the church, not just for the pastor, but it's vital for the church to know how to walk in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so he's teaching us how he operates. Folks, we need to know in these last days how to operate in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. And Jesus is not only teaching us how he operates, he is showing and revealing his expectations. Now, I want to just start with this. Is there anyone, I know there is, is there anyone in this house that can truthfully say that God has been good to you? That's an easy question, right? Yes, he has. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. Those who have will get more, and those who do not have will lose even the little bit that they do have. I haven't come with a negative message, but that just doesn't quite seem fair, does it? Those who have will get more, and those that don't have very much, it's going to be taken away, and they won't have anything. 
that doesn't really seem fair because we're raised in a society that tells us that we need to take from the rich and give to the poor. We're taught in our society that if you have more than somebody else, let's be fair about this because somebody else is not maybe born in the same circumstances. And so let's take from you and let's, let's give to somebody else. So let's even this out. It doesn't seem fair. But when we come to the Word of God and we begin to look into what God has to say, amen, Jesus says, take from those who only have a little bit and give to those who have a whole lot. I'm not trying to mess with your mind. I'm just preaching what the Word says. Amen. Jesus said, this is exactly how I operate. Amen. I've got news for you folks. If it doesn't seem fair, then the truth of the matter is, you're right. God is not fair. I have a sermon on that, but I'm not preaching that one today. Amen. That's the title of it. God is not fair. But I will hasten to tell you, although God is not fair, like we think, God is just. If God was fair, there's not one of us that would be going to heaven. Because if he gave us what we deserve, we would never have a chance. But God is just. I said God is just. Hallelujah. Amen. In Isaiah chapter 55, starting in verse 8, God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. Let's get used to this idea that God's not one of us, folks. Amen. He doesn't operate like us. Are you listening to me? Amen. In the sense of the flesh, God does not operate in our realm like we do. Amen. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. Amen. And so if we want to walk in the Holy Ghost, we'd better start thinking God's thoughts. We better start walking in God's ways. Amen. Then we will see those kind of results. In the kingdom of God, there will be gain for some and loss for others. Let me say it very simply. You'd better use what God gives you or you're going to lose what God gave you. Amen. You might want to change that to use it or lose it. I do like that, though. Is anybody familiar with that statement, use it or lose it? Use it or lose it? Uh -huh. Most of the time it's used in the, in the realm of exercise, right? Use it or lose it. I came to the conclusion uh, that I have lost some things since I was 18 years old. <laughs> I used to lift weights, you know, and, and uh, when I got married, I still lifted weights, but the only time I lifted weights is when we moved to another house. And I moved them from the one garage to the next garage. And finally, after a few years, I said, this is a crazy thing. This is not how you're supposed to lift weights. So I sold all of them. And I regret that. Because the other day, a few, about a year or so ago, I reached down to try to touch my toes. And uh, I don't know what happened, but I lost something. <laughs> it was like, 
whoa, that's a long way down there. You know, they say if you want to know if you're getting old or not is when you do get down on the floor, you stay down there long enough to ask the question, is there anything else I can do while I'm down here? So I decided I better get to work. So I started getting, oh, I started getting back to work. And let me tell you something, hey amen, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of work to try to get back down to where you used to be. I said it's a little bit of work, amen, to try to get back to the point to where you used to be. Is anybody hearing me today? Hey, there was some pain involved. There was some effort involved. And it didn't happen overnight. I had to keep, oh, I had to keep pushing. Amen. Come on, somebody. If you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Life is all about motion. Amen. And when we stop moving, we stop living. I'm telling you, folks, our bodies were made to move. Have you ever noticed little babies? Little babies are hardly ever still. They're constantly moving. Have you ever watched old people? I've got some news for you. If you stop moving... You're going to eventually stop living. Oh, I hope I'm preaching to some spiritually minded people today. Amen. I hope that you can move beyond just the physical realm and understand where this preacher is headed today. Amen. I'm telling somebody something. When you stop moving, amen, you're going to lose some things. Amen. And this is interesting to me because the more you move, the better you get at it. The more you sit around, the better you get at it. Your body compensates. Hey, I hope somebody can hear me because there's a lot of young people and a lot of old people who are suffering physically because they quit moving. Hey, hey, I, I think I need to move on here. Some folks are looking uncomfortable. Amen. Praise God. I recently read an article. It was entitled, Your Brain. Your Brain. Use it or lose it. I thought, how ironic that they would use that title. Your Brain. Use it or lose it. Hello? Oh, my. There's some folks sitting out there with the lights on and nobody's home. Hey. I'm just kidding. I think I am anyway. Hey, you guys, you guys will be so happy to have Pastor Mayo back after I'm done. <laughs> Amen. Researchers and scientists say that memory does not necessarily decrease with age. That's good news from some of the seniors and some of the young adults. Memory does not necessarily decrease with age. But a new study suggests that exercise and stimulation, we're talking about the brain here, not just physical body, but exercise and stimulation can prevent and slow down the onset of Alzheimer's and other diseases. It's the old use it or lose it. Now listen, 
Do you realize that God has made some amazing opportunities available to you and I? I don't know if you realize this or not, folks, but I'm going to tell you today plainly that if you're going to benefit from what God is offering, like I offered that $100, amen, if you're going to get benefit from it, you're going to have to use it or you're going to lose it. It's that simple. It's that simple. But please don't forget this. If you lose whatever God gave you, It may be a long, painful journey back to get to the point where you once were. I'm not saying that to discourage you. I'm just letting you know the truth. It took me a long time to get back down there in the physical, but in the spiritual. It also takes a long time to get back to where you once were if you lose what God has given to you. Now, I'm saying all of this for a reason. I see you're tracking with me. That's awesome. I want you to follow this, folks, because this is something we can relate to. Jesus is saying, this is how I operate. This is how I'm letting you know my expectations. So, for example, has anyone ever had a broken arm or a broken leg? And they put it in a cast, right? They make it immobile, and it stays there for, what, six, six to eight weeks, something like that, right? And when, when they cut the cast off, you just go like this, and wow, that's great. Right? No. Most of the time, you're going to have to go to what? Physical therapy. And physical therapy is a breeze. What do they do in physical therapy? They smile at you while they hurt you. They're trying to get you back to where you're supposed to be. Come on, church. Amen. Sometimes God, I sometimes think maybe some folks need spiritual therapy. Amen. Where's my Tyler? Tyler, Tyler, Tyler. Tyler had no idea. I told him, I said, Tyler, didn't, isn't Tyler doing an awesome job? Thank you, Tyler. But I told Tyler before service, I said, Tyler, I'll be, I'll be easy on you today. He said, oh, Brother Wheeler, I'm up for a challenge. I said, you'll be sorry you said that. I said, go talk to my sons. They'll let you know the inside track. But, but here's what I want to say. Tyler, here, relax a little bit. Uh, Tyler needs to get in some spiritual therapy here. Tyler, let's, let's, let's raise our hands here. That doesn't happen very often. <laughs> no, 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 no. All right, all right. No, no, no. Keep it up there. Hey, we're, aren't we doing good? Aren't we doing good? Now, I realize I'm being silly, but folks, I think there might be some folks sitting out in the congregation that need to have some spiritual therapy. Amen. It might be kind of hard, but I think you need to raise some hands. I think you need to raise some hands. 
I think somebody needs to clap their hands. I think somebody needs to stomp their feet. Hey. Thank you, brother. I made up my mind a long time ago. Amen. I preached in big churches. I preached in small churches. I had a I pastored a church where I dismissed the Sunday school, and there was one grandma left and me. I said, what am I going to do now? I decided a long time ago that whether you're worshiping God or not, I am going to worship God. Come on, church. I think it's time for the Holy Ghost-filled people to quit being self-conscious about what's going on around us. Amen. We need to just plain worship God. That's good, that's good. When's the last time you got lost in the Holy Ghost? I'm sorry, I apologize, Pastor, but during song service, I did some looking around. And I wasn't trying to be mean, but I was looking around. And forgive me, all I can do unless the Holy Ghost moves is just judge from the outside. But it looked kind of like there are some folks here that have forgotten how to be lost in the Holy Ghost. I said, do you know what I'm talking about, lost in the Holy Ghost? It's just you and Jesus. It's just you and Jesus. Amen. You, most everybody raised your hand and said, God's been good to you. Amen. Come on, church. I think it's about time for the church, amen, just to forget about what's going on around them and saying, God, I'm coming to say thank you. I'm coming to give you praise. I'm coming to give you glory. I'm coming to give you honor. Whether my neighbor does or not, I'm going to give you some praise. Listen, listen, listen. This is not a battle of statistics, nor is it a battle of logistics. This is a struggle for your heart. And once you understand this, amen, it's going to change the dynamics of everything that's ever happening to you in your relationship with God. Once you understand this is a matter of the heart, amen, Jesus said, what is the greatest commandment? It's the, that, oh, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm not quite there yet. I've got some work to do. I want to love God with everything that is within me. I want to love God, amen, with all my strength. Some days I feel pretty good about it, and some days I realize, here am I, so unworthy of the blood. Amen. Come on, church. I, I want, I'm going to just talk to us. Let's go back to the parable of the talents quickly. Amen. We don't have to go back scripturally. Amen. But I just want you to notice something here. The first servant was given five talents. Everybody say five. five. The second servant was given 
<laughs> Some of you are generous. Uh, he was given two, and the third servant was given one. Amen. The first servant that was given five doubled what he had and got ten. The second servant had, had two doubled what he had and got four. The third servant took what he had. Well, he failed to use it. And he hid it. And the boss came back. This is just a Wheeler interpretation, all right? The boss came back and said, I want all you guys to meet in my office. We're going we're gonna to have a meeting here. And I wanted you to give an account. And so the first servant said, boss, what you gave me, I had five. I've doubled it. I've got ten. The second servant said, boss, I had two. I doubled it. I've got four. And the, and the boss was so excited. He said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've, you've, got, you've got a lot, but you're going to get even more than that. And the third servant said, boss, you gave me one, and I, I have one. The boss said, why didn't you use it? You could have at least put it in the bank and earned some interest. Why didn't you use it? You understand here, church, this parable is not about the amounts as much as it is the fundamental principle of how God operates. If he gives you something, he expects you to use what you've got. Amen. And so the, he said you're a wicked and lazy servant. Amen. It's that same refrain, use it or lose it. If you don't seize the opportunity that God has given to you, amen, you might well lose what God is trying to do. I wonder why we struggle with this. Amen. I wonder why we, we, we don't really have an issue in the physical, natural realm. Amen. We seem to have such wise understanding in the natural. We go to our, our cabinets, our refrigerators, and it says expiration date, best when used by. And we understand that principle. If we don't use it, we're going to lose it. And how many of us have learned that lesson the hard way? I don't want to be wasteful. We've just had a Thanksgiving dinner. I want to make sure we save the leftovers. Let's wrap them all up and put them in the fridge. And then when we open our fridge sometime down the road, I think maybe we ought to donate this to medical science. We had good intentions. And we seem to understand that principle. I mean, how many of you like using coupons? How many of you like this limited sale? This is a limited opportunity. Amen. We understand that. We got to move on this or we're going to lose this. 
Amen. But when it comes to the spiritual, amen, I'm thinking we're having some difficulty. Lately, I've been, I've been noticing a disturbing trend in some of the churches I go to. Amen. I notice a disturbing trend. Amen. Forgive me, folks. I'm just being myself. I'm just being transparent. But I begin to notice, amen, that Bible reading is on the decline. As a matter of fact, I've been noticing in some places, amen, that hardly anybody even brings a Bible to church. We depend on projection, amen, to just show it up on the screen, amen. In some places, forgive me, I'm not trying to be mean, but in some places, I'm afraid the only Bible reading that some people get is on church day. A friend of mine was evangelizing some years back, and he told me, this has been a few years ago, he told me that he preached a revival for a group of people that were from Russia. They were Russians, and they had managed to escape Russia. And this is here in the United States. They had started a church. He said, Brother Wheeler, I preached all across the United States. And he said, I have never seen anything like it in my life. He said, those people, those people all of them had a Bible, all of them. And he said, Brother Wheeler, he said, if they were not holding their Bibles like this, he said, some of those people held their Bibles like this for the entire service. And if they did let their Bible down, they never put it on the floor. It was sitting close by them. They kept it very, very close. He said, after church, I asked them, I said, what is, why, why are you, is this a cultural thing? Is this what people do in Russia? He said, they told me, brother, in Russia, none of us had a Bible. We just had a few pages of scripture. But now that we're in the United States, we have a Bible and we love the word of God. We love the word of God. Jesus said, if you listen to me, you cannot live without it. I want to encourage somebody, use it or lose it. You may not physically lose your Bible, although that is on the horizon in the political arena. Amen. But I am going to say this. Amen. I've been in a lot of Pentecostal churches, amen, where they have lost, amen, much of the Word of God from their heart and from their minds because they simply have laid it aside on a coffee table or on a bedroom chest of drawers or under the seat of their car. Is this all right? I don't know if there's anybody like that here today. I, I wasn't watching to see if you brought your Bible in. But folks, I was raised in a church where everybody loved. I don't think everybody hugged the Word of God all service, but I'm telling you, our church loved the Word. I have been noticing a disturbing trend in churches that I have attended. 
I'm not pointing anybody out. I'm not trying to, to cast stones. I'm just making some observations. Amen. For somebody that was raised on an old-fashioned Pentecostal pew, I remember laying under the seats if my head stuck out in the aisle as a little kid, watching people dance in the Holy Ghost, watching blind eyes open and deaf ears unstopped, watching the preacher preach, watching drunk people come to the altar and be delivered from alcohol and drugs and demon possession. Amen. I've seen all of that. But I've noticed a disturbing trend. And that's in the realm of prayer. God help me. I'm a visiting preacher. I'm not now in some churches they don't even really pray at all. But in many churches they still do have pre-service prayer. But I've noticed something. I see people walking around. And forgive me, there's nothing wrong with walking around praying, okay? I'm just using an illustration, all right? If you're praying and you're walking, that's wonderful. You can pray flat on your face, you can pray sitting down, you can pray walking, leaping, whatever. But I've noticed people walking around in the prayer rooms, and this is what I hear. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Forgive me. I don't want to be sacrilegious, but sometimes in my imagination, I just seem to picture God up in heaven going, they're saying, oh, God. And he says, yes. Oh, God. Yes. Oh, God. Yes. Listen to me, church. Prayer is not repetitious words. Prayer is a conversation. Prayer is a relationship. Prayer is communication between you and God. I remember as a young boy, and I pray that there's some travailers in this church because you're needed. You are needed. You are needed. I remember pastor getting up preaching. And you could feel the Holy Ghost moving. And then I would observe. I'm just a little kid. I would observe some people in the church, prayer warriors, just quietly slip down in between the pews. Just quietly. They weren't making no disturbance. I knew what they were doing. You know what they were doing? They were praying. Amen. They weren't there just for themselves. They weren't there just to have a good time. They were praying, God, help our pastor. Lord, deal with the sinners. God, save those people. Lord, let your will be done. Oh, God, deliver somebody tonight. That's what your pastor needs. Amen. He needs some folks that will get with him in the preaching and feel the burden of the preacher, the man of God, and get down on your knees. One more, is that all right? One more. 
I don't want to take a lot of time doing this, but I feel it's vital. This, I've noticed a disturbing trend in worship. We have a lot of churches that have a lot of commotion. But worship is more than just, yeah! There's more to worship than that. Is that all right? Instead, what I have been noticing, man, I'm going to be in trouble. But I'm already in trouble, so I might as well just do it good. If I was a sinner and I was visiting some of those churches, you know what I would think if I was a sinner and visiting some of those churches? You know, some of you, if you remember back when you were a sinner and you went to church, you spent a lot of time looking around. What are these people doing? Right? You're trying to make sense out of everything. But if I was a sinner in the modern-day apostolic church, not all of them, but some of them, I would be sitting there watching as the ushers come forward and people march forward and put their money in the basket and go back to their seat and the musicians come up. I can't play, so I'm not even going to try. You guys are blessed with some wonderful music, you know that? The musicians come up and begin to play. I don't know what you call your group. Is that the choir or choir? The choir gets up. Because you guys know you're blessed with some good singers. The choir gets up and begins to sing. I was pretty impressed, Pastor. Because I saw some choir members worshiping God today. And I'm not disparaging you. Folks, in some places that doesn't happen. I saw some musicians worshiping God. But here's what I would be thinking as a sinner in some churches. Wow, what a deal. All you have to do in this church is put money in the basket and other people worship for you. That hurts, but that's an accurate, accurate observation. Can I tell you something, church? Let's just put it this way, all right? In February 1964, the New York Times had a headline, The Beatles invade. The Beatles invade complete with long hair and screaming fans. That was the headline. 1964. This is not some apostolic preacher preaching. That's the newspaper. I'm not going to read the article. I just I want to draw something from this, all right? The Beatles who popularized rock and roll in Britain have added new gimmicks. This is 1964. They've added new gimmicks. Tight pants, boots, and hair that never seems to be cut. They shocked the United States. 
of America down to its foundation. If you don't believe me, check it out for yourself. Go back into the archives of many of the newspapers and see what they were writing about. But here's the deal. Now, now, just in all fairness, let me say, I don't listen to worldly music, all right? I, I don't know if I need to make that disclaimer or not, but I don't, I don't listen. I don't, I don't have time for it. I don't even think a Christian should even be interested. But, I, but obviously we, we hear things, right? We're around things. And, and the Beatles wrote a song, some weird song. I don't even know the words to it hardly at all, just a certain part of it. And it said something to the effect, we all live in a yellow submarine. Now, I have never met anybody that lives in a yellow submarine. <laughs> but I have met a lot of apostolic people who live in a mellow apathy. We all live in a mellow apathy, a mellow apathy, a mellow apathy. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Church, your name is going far and wide, and it is a privilege for me to be here. Don't get me wrong. But I just felt in the Holy Ghost that I needed to say something Amen. I'm sure your pastor has mentioned, I'm sure he probably has or will. Amen. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. These are not the days for us to be careless. These are not the days to be careless about your Bible reading. These are not the days to be careless, amen, about your prayer life. These are not the days to be careless about your worship. Amen. Every opportunity you get, you should be able to praise God. Let's do that right now, can we? I'm almost through. Remember the tax collector named Zacchaeus? 
Some of you, if you're new in church, maybe you don't remember this account. This is not a little kid's story. It is actually something that happened. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He also happened to be vertically challenged. That means he was short. All right? Now, I, I happen to be the shortest guy in the Wheeler family. Well, aside from my sons, I think they might be taller than me now. But uh, in the Wheeler family, Brother Clark, you make me feel at home. Now, you know how I knew his name? He's like the first guy I saw. And all my family is about your height or, or taller sometimes. And so, and so uh, Zacchaeus, Matthew, Mark, and Luke wrote about this. And Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. I said, you didn't hear me. Some of you didn't hear me. Can I have your attention up here? Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. I said Zacchaeus really wanted to see Jesus. And he heard that Jesus was coming by. And so, but Jesus was surrounded by a bunch of people. And Zacchaeus tried to say, you know, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. But nobody likes Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector. And he's not honest. And so they pushed him back. He couldn't see anything. And so the Bible says that he ran ahead of the crowd. And he climbed up into a tree. Of all things for a grown man to be acting that silly. But can I tell you something? When you want to see Jesus bad enough, you're going to dispense with, with your... Here's what I want to point out. Zacchaeus saw Jesus, but what he did not know is that was his one and only opportunity to ever see Jesus again. You know why? Because Jesus was on his last journey to Jerusalem to be crucified. He would never pass through Jericho again. Zacchaeus didn't know that. Zacchaeus had no idea that Jesus, maybe Jesus will come back next week. Maybe Jesus will come back next month. But no, this was the last time that Zacchaeus would ever have an opportunity to see Jesus. Use it or lose it. I'm so glad you're here today. And I hope you take advantage of what God has given to you. We most recently pastored a church in North Dakota. I preached a message on a Sunday morning. Well, I had a message. And it's like God just, do you know what I'm talking about? 
I preached, can I say it? I don't want to be disgusting, but I preached my guts out. I preached, I've never preached so hard in my life. Not, not hard at people, but I was just putting it out there. I just felt the Holy Ghost. I could feel God just pulling at somebody's heart. And I preached and preached. And after church was over, there was another preacher sitting in the congregation, a former pastor of that church. And he hurt me so bad. He said, Brother Wheeler, that was the hardest sermon I ever heard in my life. Oh, I never heard anything like that. I mean, you were just, you were like in their face. And I said, brother, I felt the Holy Ghost. And I said, didn't you see what happened over here? He said, what? I said, did you see Adam? Oh, I don't know if anybody's named Adam here, but that was his name, Adam. Adam came to the altar. Adam had... He was living with his girlfriend. He had four beautiful daughters, him and his girlfriend. He had just invited my wife and I over to his house trailer. He lived in a really poor area. He was a hard worker. But he came, he invited us over. He fixes up some, some Mexican food. And, and, and he fed us. And, and, he, and I was preaching. I didn't know God was dealing with him that day. And Adam came to the altar, and tears are rolling down his cheeks. And I grabbed him, and I said, Adam, Jesus loves you. And he said, I know, Pastor. And I said, Adam, why don't you just, just lift your hands? He said, Pastor, I love my daughters. I said, I know you do. Why don't you give your heart to Jesus and let him fill you with the Holy Ghost? He said, I want to, I want to, I want to. He wasn't faking it. I mean to tell you, real tears are rolling. He said, but pastor, there's a couple of things I've got to do. The next day, my wife and I drove into our town. We saw a van pull out from a side street, and I looked at my wife, and I said, hey, I said, wasn't that Adam? She said, I think it was. Thought no more about it. We got to our house, and then we heard some sirens. We're talking about a little town, less than 10,000 people. We heard sirens. And then about a half an hour later or so, my phone rang. I said, Pastor, we need you at the hospital. Adam has been in an accident. And I don't think he's going to make it. On the way to the hospital, I broke down in tears. And I told my wife, I said, sweetheart, I tried to reach him. I tried my best to reach him. I gave it everything I had to reach him. I couldn't get him. I didn't know. Listen, pastor doesn't always know. I didn't know it was his last time in church. Adam did not know that it was his last time in church. He was gone before I got to the hospital. 
but I told my wife, I said, I'm reached, I reached, I reached. Just like I'm reaching today. There's somebody in this church, and I felt it this morning about 1 o'clock. I felt that there's somebody God's reaching for, and it's your opportunity. I don't know if it's the last. I have no idea. But I'm reaching. I just want you to know that. This preacher's reaching. Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to draw this to a close. Verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five of them were foolish. Does anyone know what Jesus was talking about just before he told this parable? You don't have to answer. Just raise your hand if you know what Jesus was talking about. Okay, there's one. Let me help some of you. What's the previous chapter before chapter 25? Matthew chapter 24. Now do you know what Jesus is talking about? The last days. The last days. So keep this in mind. He's still talking about the last days in Matthew chapter 25. All right? A lot of people seem to get all wrapped up, and I'm not throwing stones again, I'm not, but some people seem to get really focused on Daniel's 70 weeks and the, the vials and the plagues and the, you know, the end, you know what I'm talking about, the end times, all of that has its place, but I tend to be a bit more practical. I, forgive me, but that's just how I'm wired. I want to get to heaven, whether I understand everything or not. If there's some things I still don't understand, I, I'm trusting God to explain it when I get there. I just want to get there. So Jesus is talking about the end times. He tells this parable. Now I want you to get me, folks, because you need to understand this. This parable is much more than just a simple little story about a wedding. Let's examine the facts. Ten girls had been invited to a marriage, correct? Come on, Bible students, am I, am I in the word so far? All ten girls had responded to the invitation, is that correct? All ten of those girls wanted to see their bridegroom, yes? All ten of them wanted to go to the wedding banquet, correct? All ten of them were in the right place at the right time for the right reason. Is that correct? Are you tracking with me? All ten of them had lamps with them. Yes? 
All ten of them had some oil in their lamps when they first started. Is that correct? All ten of them fell asleep while they were waiting. Is that correct? That's right. All ten of them. All ten of them were awakened by the midnight cry. Yes? All ten of them got up and prepared their lamps. Is that correct? Yet Jesus tells us that five of them were foolish, unwise, imprudent, apathetic, careless, And I am going to stand here and tell you that you cannot blame the foolishness of those five girls on a lack of information. You can't even say they had the wrong information. They did not. They had the correct information. You can't, listen, folks, all ten virgins started with the exact same information. Is that correct? Everybody, let me put it simply, everybody had all the information they needed to know at that particular time. And still, five foolish virgins were not ready. They ran out of oil. Last year, they could have had all the oil they wanted. Six months ago, they could have went to the place where the oil sold and purchased all the oil they ever would want, plus more for everybody else. Last week, they could have come and got oil for their needs. Yesterday, they could have purchased the oil. They missed their opportunity because they assumed they had more time. How about us, church? How about us? We are not suffering from a lack of information. Here's a man right here that I know preaches the gospel truth from a black-backed Bible. Come on, somebody. Amen. Is that the truth, church members? Is that the truth? Does your preacher preach the truth? Does he give you does he give it to you straight? Come on, friends. You know he loves you, but does he give it to you straight? Does anybody here feel like you're that you're suffering from a lack of information? We know Jesus is coming back. We know we need to repent of our sins. We know we need to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of our sins. We know that we need to receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Amen. With the evidence of speaking in other tongues as His Spirit gives utterance. We know those things. We know that we need to live a holy and separated lifestyle. We know we need to read our Bibles. 
We know that we need to pray. We know that we need to worship. We know we need to sing. We know we need to shout. We have all the information we need. But Jesus says this is how it's going to be in the last days. This is how it's going to be in the last days. There will be some that are wise, and there will be some that are foolish. Some are going to use it, and some are going to lose it. The five foolish girls said, give us some oil. They said, we can't because we don't have enough. They ran out into the night looking to someplace, please, to give us some oil. They came back. By the time they came back and knocked on the door, the door was shut. The bridegroom said, go away. I don't even know who you are. They missed out on what God had for them. Now, keep in mind, Jesus is telling this story, right? And he's saying this is how it's going to be in the last days. Right? If we miss our opportunity, I'm sorry, I'm so serious about this, but guess what? When you cross over into eternity, you don't get any second chances. If you miss out on your opportunity or opportunities, Jesus will just move over and find somebody else. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Brother, can I, can I use you for, would you mind? All right. Brother Clark, can I use you for an example? You don't have to move. Is that okay? This is just for illustration, all right? Opportunity. Jesus is offering opportunities right now in this church service. And your name was called. Brother Clark, what, what's your first name? Gene? Is that correct, Gene? Do you mind if I use your first name? Okay, don't respond, all right? Don't respond. Gene, the next name on our list here for blessings from God. Gene, are you here? Gene, has anybody seen Gene? Gene, are you here? God wants to bless you. God has something for you. Gene, are you here? One more time. Gene, are you here? God's calling you. Gene, why don't you respond? God has something great for you. I don't want to stop, but I, I've got to move on. Let me just say one more time, has anybody seen Gene? All right. 
Let's move on. There's one. He's ready. He's responding. You understand? Thank you, brother. You understand, church? You can sit in a hundred church services and miss out on what God wants for you. God is offering, but you have to respond. Would you stand with me? Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you don't want to close your eyes, that's fine. That doesn't bother me. The reason I ask people to bow their heads and close their eyes is a simple reason that I just want you to focus on you and Jesus and not be distracted by anybody else that's around you. So that's your choice. But if you would, just close your eyes for a few moments. Destiny is standing among us today. Opportunity seldom knocks twice. Some of you are like that $100 bill. You've been broken. You've been crushed. You've been stomped on. And in some cases, just thrown away. But there's some folks here that see value in you. Don't let your history define your destiny. God has opened a door Given you an opportunity. It's time to respond. It's time to react. I wish there were some folks like that brother that got that $100 bill. I wish, I wish there were some folks that said, I want it. I want it. I really want it. God bless those that are coming. Can I talk to you, saints? When's the last time you shouted the victory? When's the last time you felt the power of the Holy Ghost from the top of your head to the soles of your feet? 
I think maybe it's time for some therapy. Has God been good to you? There's some folks here that need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And there's some saints here that need some spiritual therapy. I think those of us, amen, that are able ought to be down here and helping those around us, amen, to be able. Let's create that atmosphere, church, as the musicians come. Amen, let's create the atmosphere to let the Holy Ghost work in our midst. Amen, this is the opportunity that some of these people have been waiting for. Amen. This is the time for them to respond to the prompting of the Holy Ghost. Let's see what God will do in their lives. He put your life back together. Let's watch God put their lives back together. Amen. Let's watch God work some more miracles. Let's watch God fill some more people with the Holy Ghost. Let's watch what God will do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go ahead. If it's appropriate, why don't you pray for somebody? If you don't need prayer, pray for somebody else. But let's get our hearts engaged. With all my heart, Jesus. With all my heart, Jesus. With all my soul, Jesus. Look at these young folks sitting up here on the altar. They need the Holy Ghost. Look at these people praying at the altar. Amen. They need God to touch them. Come on. God sees you. God sees you. God hears you. Pray, church, pray, pray. This is our opportunity. We better use it or we might lose it.